1: Uh, We tape these a week in advance, so I have the really sort of odd uh, pleasure today to say, oh my goodness, it's November 1st. I can't believe we're here again with the class of 2019, but yet it's not actually November 1st. So while many of my students are close to done, they haven't actually submitted their applications yet, so I'm not feeling the way I normally feel on November 1st, which I guess makes sense, because it's not actually November 1st, Um, but... So those of you who are listening to this on November 1st, congratulations. If you got some early applications in yesterday, a couple days ago, if you're pressing submit today uh, or even a few weeks ago, uh, hopefully it feels really good to get uh, first few applications out the door. We have a great show today, as I feel like we always do, but we're going to be talking about disciplinary infractions, how to handle those on your college applications, we're also going to talk about something for those of you who are listening who aren't maybe seniors uh, and for parents, of course, and that is using life insurance as a college savings vehicle, whether or not that is actually an option and how to think about that. But more importantly, or most importantly for this minute right this very second, is that even though you have us, which hopefully is helping to dis- to decrease your stress, this process can be really stressful. And one of the things that we read about more and more uh, is this whole concept of mindfulness and just finding ways to reduce your stress as you're going through this process beyond maybe just listening to this radio show or this podcast. Um, And I'm really excited to welcome my colleague who also happens to be a former colleague from Penn, uh, where he was an admissions officer, and also someone who I think of as a fitness and wellness expert uh, because he teaches fitness classes. And I, although I know today he's not feeling his very best, <laughs> suffering from a fall cold, I'm super excited to welcome Sai Samboon to the show. Hi, Sai.
2: Hello, Beth. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for having me on the show.
1: Absolutely. And when we were talking before the show about kind of how to think about mindfulness and this process I think there are a few different levels. So there's this actual process that of applying to college but then there's also kind of getting through high school and probably if you can start applying mindfulness to that piece, it might be easier to do it uh, when you are actually going through the admissions process. So in terms of things that um, tips that you could offer our listeners about, around getting through high school and and using mindfulness there what are what are some some strategies that you would suggest students employ and parents probably
2: yes yes well absolutely well Beth you mentioned it earlier in your very nice introduction about stress right like we are going to feel stressed about this, whether you're a student, whether you're a parent, uh, even you know, teachers and, and everyone else on campus, you will feel stressed about it. And the whole concept of mindfulness is being aware of yourself. It's the mental state that you have at any present moment. It's accepting what is currently available to you. It's, um, you know, this is a mental state that is achieved by focusing your awareness right now in this time. And so when you mentioned stress, we hear it all the time, like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed, I'm really nervous about it, I'm really anxious. Um, A lot of what we do has to do with being present, right? And so when Mm -hmm. students are starting high school or when they are uh, writing exams or sitting for the SATs or ACTs or writing applications, the first thing to do is acknowledge that it is stressful. That is one Step to achieving mm-hmm. this mindfulness, right? So, mm-hmm. growing up in Thailand, for example, there is a word, there's a phrase called Mai pen right," which means don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you could probably hear it as well here. Just forget about it. Don't worry about it. Don't be stressed. Well, but you are. And so, I remember saying to my family, like, "But I am stressed about it." So, you you know, by you telling me not to worry about it, don't be stressed, that even increases the stress. So, one big tip is accepting it. You are stressed. You are anxious. You feel like there's so much that you have to do. And that's the first step. Then I would say, okay, now that you're aware of it, take a deep breath and accept the space that you're in. Right, so whether you are uh, starting your ninth grade year, and this is big year, it's high school, right? It's new classes, new friends, new activities, uh, new curriculum, or whether you are a junior about to embark on this visiting colleges and looking at your list, creating your list, or it's your senior year and you're like, this is your final year of high school, and now I have to um, solidify, you know, where I'm applying to, especially if it's early uh, mm-hmm. action or decision these are moments of high stress. So the first thing to do is take a nice deep breath and accept that this is a stressful moment. And once you accept that, then what can you do? Well, first, you can take advantage of what we have to offer, right? So Beth, you mentioned that. We're here, mm-hmm. We're here to help diffuse and decrease the stress. Um, we are experts in this field. You have access to us. So that ties into my next point, which is what are the action items you can take advantage of? One, log into the portal, you know, listen to and um, attend the webinars. If there's a presentation on-site, uh, on go to it. Ask questions. Get as much information as possible. That is what you, as a, uh, as a parent, as a student, that is what you have control over. And sometimes the stress is a result of us not knowing, you right. know, uh, what we can do. Like, what do we have control over? And if we don't know, then that can sometimes increase the stress.
1: Right, and so I would just... Take- um- Yeah, I just want to throw out there. And then if um, one of the things you were just referring to is if you have a college coach as a corporate benefit, and if you don't, um, you can always subscribe to this podcast. So if you are forgetting to log in and and listen to it on a weekly basis, you can log into iTunes and, and it will be you can subscribe to it. So you will get a heads up every time there's a new podcast available. You can subscribe to our blog. You can follow us on Facebook. Lots of really great information will come your way through all of those channels, completely free to you. Um, so that's another way to get and gather more of that information.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we have been through many, many seasons, hundreds of seasons together, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> As a team. So, um, you know, so we've talked to many parents and students and helped help them get through this process. So <clears throat> I think another action item for, students and parents, is to make sure that you have things organized. So have an organized structure, whether it's ninth grade, um, going forward, what are some goals that I want to set throughout high school, right? Do I want to uh, make sure that I set myself up for uh, one hour of homework a night followed by, you know, two hours of family time? I think that by setting an organized structure from the beginning will be really helpful and will reduce the stress and will allow you to actually be at dinner with your mm-hmm. family and be like, this is dinner time. You know, I'm not going to think about um, my essays. I'm not going to think about my list. This is going to be a time to spend with my family. And that is another tip that I would like to offer for mindfulness. The more organized you can be, whether it's early on in high school or in your senior year, especially now, you know, once your um, applications are in and you're waiting to submit the other ones for regular decision, make sure that you connect with yourself and give yourself these hours that are just for you. So whatever it is that makes you happy, going for a walk, taking a class at the gym, taking an art class, schedule that in because that is your time.
1: And, you know, I would also throw out there, um, you mentioned, you know, schedule, have a schedule, be organized, right? You're going to do an hour of homework. People may be laughing at that idea. Maybe you're going to do three hours (laughs) of homework, right? But you're going to have you are then going to have time where you're going to just have dinner with your family. I would throw out there for parents, probably more so even than students, maybe that's a time that is college talk free, right? You don't talk about um, the college applications. You don't talk about the visit that you did last weekend. Um, Maybe one night a week at dinner that topic is allowed, but otherwise you outlaw it because one of the things that I see that seems to ratchet up stress is just when it becomes all consuming and it's all anyone talks about in the students. Sometimes it, it extends as far as the beginning of junior year, but a lot of times it's very concentrated in this time that we're in right now in the fall and early winter of senior year. And it can be difficult to get away from it. So if when you're in, when you're at your home, you can carve out maybe one or two hours during the week where they're college talk and then the rest of it is college free, if you're finding that college is a very stressful topic, that might be some a way to practice mindfulness and say, you know what? We're not gonna talk about that right now. We have a plan, we're organized. We don't need to be talking about it all the time because talking about it all the time, generally we'll try, we'll tend to ratchet up the stress rather than decrease it because it puts it top of mind 100% of the time.
3: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And that connects with my last tip, which is, you know, our bodies and our minds are connected, right? So Mm -hmm. if you feel stress, sometimes you can feel uh, a knot being created in your back, right? Mm -hmm. Or in your uh, chest or in your arms or wherever, wherever your body um, allocates the stress, it is connected. So whatever you like to do that is physical, okay, even if it's just going for a walk, even if it is doing a couple stretches at home or if it's more an, of an intense physical activity, whether it's taking a fitness class or uh, going to the gym, you know, it's very important to carve this time just for yourself as well because it is connected and it is your time and it is time away from all the stress. But again, right. I think the most important thing is to accept it and then say, okay, what can I do? What, what control do I have? How can I be present in this
1: moment? Absolutely. I love it. And uh, I think there's some really great advice there, Sai, and I really appreciate you joining us today to talk us through it.
2: Thanks so much for having me. Keep breathing, everyone.
1: <laughs> I love it. That is some very good that's that's advice to live on there. Um we we're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to talk about the idea of using life insurance to save for college. If you've ever wondered uh if that's a viable option, we're going to let you know more about it. So don't go away.
4: Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in.
5: Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors you can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App
4: World, or Android Market. News. news, opinion, news. opinion. Hear me. Hear me. Hear your voice counts. Me. Hear me. Hear me. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 472 5787 voiceamerica.com. You
0: are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're going to get to using life insurance to save for college in a minute. But before we do that, I did want to do our this week's school spotlight, which is on the University of Oklahoma. And if you wondered why I chose the University of Oklahoma, literally, I have no other reason other than I thought, ah, it's football season, University of Oklahoma. They probably have a good football team. And I don't know. I loved that musical. So let's do University of Oklahoma. So here we are. Um, If you are a National Merit Scholar and you choose to attend the University of Oklahoma, you will probably be in really good company. They have more than 850 National Merit Scholars enrolled, and they yield the most national scholars, National Merit Scholars of all public universities across the country. So that's kind of an interesting tidbit and maybe a reason to put Oklahoma on your list uh, to consider it at the very least. Um, it's really only one reason why top students call OU home. The university has a really, provides a really friendly and welcoming experience for all of its students. There's a beautiful campus. It's about 20 minutes from Oklahoma City, uh, and it really combines the best features of a small college town with easy access to a vibrant metropolis. Uh, there are about 22,000 undergrads, 40% of whom come from out of state, so you certainly will not be alone if you are not uh, born and raised in Oklahoma. Uh, And they have access to over 170 majors in top programs such as dance, journalism, entrepreneurship, and meteorology. That's an interesting one, meteorology. Uh, But even if you are an, an aspiring paleontologist, pilot, or petroleum engineer, you will find the majors you need to make your dream career a reality. When students need a break from their academic pursuits, uh, OU has more than 400 clubs from the University Gospel Choir to the Sooner Supercomputer Club to keep undergrads engaged. And if you are curious about that name, Sooner, uh, OU's nickname refers to the settlers who were eager to stake out land during the land run of 1889, and the term later became synonymous for a progressive energetic individual. So if that describes you, maybe you want to check out the University of Oklahoma. All right. Now I am ready to welcome my colleague and former Southern New Hampshire University financial aid officer, Alex Bickford, to talk to us about life insurance and college savings. Hi, hi Alex. Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And thank you for joining me today. I know we are both tired. We were up late last night watching the Red Sox win Game 2 of the World Series. Um, when you all listen this listen to this on Thursday, on November 1st, it will all be decided. But for today, we are happy Red Sox fans here <laughs> in uh, the Boston area. All right. Um, so anytime and i listeners to the show if they are regular listeners have probably heard me say that anything that starts with the phrase i heard that will often be followed by at best some truth coupled with misinformation and at worst complete and utter rumor and fabrication however i'm still going to start with i've heard that um you can use life insurance to save for college and that it will not count against financial aid so what can you tell us about this? Sure, absolutely I think I
3: think you're right Anytime I've heard I've heard it, that that's the same <laughs> the same responses at the very best it's well maybe not quite true but very oftentimes complete uh, complete failure in this in this case it is well it could be true but and so that's the big pitch that Uh, that a lot of uh, finance companies that are trying to sell life insurance products are putting out there that, hey, listen, this is going to help you save for college and not impact financial aid, which is what every parent wants, right? They want to be able to put away money uh, and Mm -hmm. not have to worry about, hey, my child's going to lose need-based financial aid down the road. And this is the case at some schools. So there are two different types of colleges out there. There are colleges out there that use the federal financial aid form called the FAFSA form, Uh, And the value within your life insurance policies is not listed as an asset on the FAFSA form. Then there are schools out there that use the CSS profile to determine financial aid eligibility. Those colleges, it is up to them whether they ask that question or not. So, you know, there there are... I would say more than a handful of schools out there that are absolutely going to ask the question. You'll probably see this on more and more applications as time goes on, uh, because the schools that, are, uh, that require the CSS profile are really trying to develop a full picture of the family's financials to determine uh, the need-based financial aid eligibility that's out there. So from an asset perspective, uh, it's true at most of the colleges, but then you get the other side of the fence is, well, then how about when I use it? But we'll, we'll kind of mm-hmm. wait for that.
1: Okay. Well, one, one quick question, or it may not be quick, but I'm going to ask it anyway before we go to the next question on my list, and that is, are we talking about a specific kind of life insurance plan? Sure. Is it, and, and so that people know what we're actually talking about, what they should be looking at? Yeah, a-
3: absolutely. So uh, for the most part, when you're talking about college savings, it's a whole life plan. Uh, is the most common uh, kind of asset-generating plan that's out there um, that's used for college. But Variable Life could have that as well. So there are a lot of different uh, life insurance plans out there. The most common one for our purposes is a whole life plan.
1: Okay. Perfect. All right. So then what are some ways to utilize if you, you got the life insurance plan? Uh, maybe you got it as a savings vehicle, maybe you didn't, but now you're realizing that you could potentially use it to pay for college. How does that work if you want to do that? Yeah. And that's,
3: this is kind of the other end of the stick there that we were, that we were talking about when talking about financial aid implications. So there are really two ways to utilize uh, the money within your life insurance. One way would be to withdraw from it. Uh, one way would be to borrow against it. When you withdraw from that, there's, there's a couple things to think about. So uh, if the purpose of that life insurance plan is to have kind of that cash value to have a protection built in place for uh, if that insured person does pass away, uh, then withdrawing from it's going to reduce the cash value. And that that needs to be something that you understand is that this is going to reduce your payout in the end uh, by withdrawing from it. Now, if you had this as a savings vehicle all along and this was your plan, then that's probably perfect and that's fine. Um, But if you're using this really as an insurance policy, it's diminishing the value of that insurance. Uh, With that being said, also, uh, is that on both financial aid forms, the FAFSA form uh, and the CSS profile form, when you withdraw money from the insurance plan, it's counted as income on there, either taxed or untaxed income, uh, depending on if this was interest or principal, and we don't have to dive too deep into that, but it's listed on uh, both financial aid forms as income, And so what that does is that your income is actually the biggest driver in the financial aid formula by far. Uh, Your Mm -hmm. income matters 10 times more than your assets matter. Uh, And so you're possibly artificially inflating your income uh, during years where your child might be financially eligible that could have a much larger impact on financial aid.
1: Right. So they, it's sort of yeah. ironic, right, that they are selling it to you because they're saying, oh, you're going to be able to save and it won't count against financial aid. But then if you take the money out of the policy, it it gets added to your income and boom, now you get hit and you might lose some financial <laughs> aid as a result. Yeah, Beware absolutely. of people hit selling things. <laughs> you, exactly. Exactly. If, yeah. You're getting hit more
3: than you would have had you saved in a you know, more traditional kind of savings vehicle that does have an impact on financial aid, uh, but it may not count as an asset uh, later on. Now, there mm-hmm. is a different way to withdraw from it. You could borrow against it. Now, borrowing against it, once again, reduces the payout until that loan is paid back. Um, but if you do borrow against it, that's not counted as income uh, towards uh, towards the the formula. So it, it potentially is a borrowing option uh, for you um, that wouldn't have an impact on financial aid.
1: And and let me just ask a question so it seems like what might work provided that this you got this insurance policy with the specific goal of saving for college the best plan might be to borrow against it while your child is in college and then take the money out to pay off the loan once your child has graduated and taking the money out will no longer impact their eligibility.
3: That could be a scenario there, absolutely. And it depends, of course, on the terms of the loan and how favorable sure. the terms of the loan are. Uh, and so, but but yes, that could be a scenario. Now, you know, colleges are looking two years back at income to determine financial aid eligibility. So there is possibility that you can use this towards the end of your child's uh, education. Uh, and not worry about the financial aid impact as well. So I, I don't want to say that there's no way to use this and that this is a lost cause, because there are, um, but they're not as easy and straightforward as I'm taking the money and less run.
1: Okay. That makes sense. So we established the different, well, we sort of did establish the different um, plans and that primarily people are using a whole life plan. But what are some things, uh, so you've listened to us talk and you you at least want to explore it. What are some things that families should look out for with life insurance plans?
3: Yeah, I would say the number one for me, and listen, there are, there are probably three or four big ones for me, but this is one of the top ones for me, uh,
1: is that when you go to
3: purchase life insurance. If you, if you are trying to kind of, uh, you know, hit two birds with one stone here and take care of life insurance and savings for college at the same time, you've got to realize within these plans of who the insured is. So many times, uh, the folks that are selling these plans are actually not telling you, but your child is the one that's being insured. And if your child is the one being insured, I mean, to be frank here is that we don't need our children insured nearly as much as we need ourselves insured. Uh, mm-hmm. if we're the folks who are taking care of our children financially and, and, and otherwise, uh, we need to have insurance on our lives, uh, not as much as we do on our children's lives. And so they, but they do that in order to keep the, the cost of the policy down because it's more expensive to insure an adult. Uh, than it is to insure a child. Uh, so make sure that you know who's insured and that you're comfortable with that. Um, and if you're looking to have yourself insured, that you're getting yourself insured and not the child insured. That would be number one. Number two would be to look at, especially if you are a little bit later on in your child's life and you're looking, you know, they're eight or nine years old, look at how long that you have to invest in this plan in order to what I call it, it solvent, Mm-hmm. Meaning that you're, what you've contributed to this plan has actually started to gain momentum and gain ground uh, as opposed to being at a loss. Because generally speaking, for the first several years there, you're going to be at a loss because the fees on these plans uh, are really, really high. Uh, there are usually a lot of commission-based plans, uh, so they have high fees that are associated with them. So it does take you a while to kind of recruit some some of those fees uh, and turn that into a profit for yourself.
1: Well, and what's interesting about that, too, is that many of our listeners may be parents of older students, um, I would guess, because they're listening to this, right? Um, Which means that right there might be a good moment to realize this is probably not the right way if you're getting if you're a little late to the saving process or we're thinking about switching your savings to a new vehicle or starting a new vehicle of savings this may not be the thing to do if you are uh, if your student is already in high school or even a little bit older than that. Do you how many years would you say? Do you have a ballpark for that, or is it kind of hard to it, say? It, it depends
3: on the plan. It could be as many as eight um, on on the high end. On the lower end, is probably a, a, at least usually three. It really okay. depends on on the uh, on the structure of the plan and in the fees that are being uh, being assessed on that plan.
1: Okay. Well, so all of this said, if you have listened and thought, I don't know if this sounds like the best thing for me, are there other ways in which families should consider saving, uh, that wouldn't be in a life insurance plan? Big question. Yeah. I
3: mean, there, there, I mean, there are a ton and, and obviously there are, um, and there are several out there, and it really depends on what that family is looking for. But if we're t- thinking about the audience who's likely listening to this, they've got o- older children, right? Um, they're getting closer mm-hmm. to college age. Uh, for those folks out there, if you're sure at this point your children are going to college, uh, the 529 plan is a, is a really popular way uh, to save money, could offer you potential uh, state tax benefits if you live in a state that offers uh, state tax incentive for you to contribute to that plan. Uh, and while it does have a, a technical impact on financial aid, the assets, the parent-owned assets, which a 529 plan is, uh, in the financial aid formula has such a low impact on financial aid uh, that it's virtually nonexistent. Just to give you kind of an idea, if you save $10,000 for college in a 529 plan, it might have a $300 impact on financial aid. So it's wow. very, very small, somewhere in 3 to 6% range, it, it has an impact. Uh, and so it's not this kind of Big big impact that people think. So five to nine plan is one way to go, and depending on how close you are, you know, even just uh, what I tell folks is that the act of savings oftentimes is more important than where you put it. So if you're in kind of the high school years. Uh, just setting that money aside, just getting kind of your budget ready, uh, to kind of have monthly cash flow to help towards the cost of college, uh, even just putting that aside in the savings account. And while it's not going to be generating a ton of interest between now when you're, and when your children are in college, you'd preserve that value, uh, and at least start accumulating some assets that are in there, uh, to go ahead and help offset some of those college costs.
1: Got it. Okay. Alex, this has been super helpful. I really appreciate it. I, as I always do, uh, learn something new. And I I probably learned something new for sure with every segment that we do that deals with the college finance process and thinking through that. And um, that is not new today that I, that I, that happened again. So I really appreciate you (laughs) joining us today. And, uh, uh, and thanks again. And we look forward to having you back on the show in the future.
3: Thanks, Beth. You too. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Uh, Up next, uh, we're going to be doing office hours and talking about disciplinary infractions. Uh, So we'll be right back.
4: So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Have you ever given any thought to
0: what is behind your insurance coverage? Many of us don't think of it as more than that premium you pay on a regular basis. Of course, until you actually need to use it. On CYA with Rhonda, you'll learn to cover your assets and find out what all of that insurance mumbo-jumbo really means. If you're looking for a lucrative career option, Rhonda Luki will explain how to get into the insurance business. Listen live every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
4: Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787.
3: Thank you for calling
4: voiceamerica.com.
0: You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We are doing our weekly office hour segment, and this week we're talking about disciplinary infractions, which is... Um, Not always everyone's favorite topic, but I do think if you have any, uh, you probably want to listen and listen closely. I'm super excited to welcome my colleague, who is a former high school college counselor and also a former admissions officer at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, Boston College, Lafayette College, and Ursinus College, which basically means she has seen it all, so is probably one of the most... Perfect guest we could have on to talk through with us, um, Joy Biscornet. Hi, Joy. Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And very excited to have you on the show today. Um, the topic is a little tricky, and we're talking about disciplinary infractions, and they do happen. Teenagers get themselves into tight spots. And um, I thought maybe the best thing to kick off with is really what constitutes a discipl- disciplinary infraction sure
5: so while it is a is a tough conversation to have sometimes it does happen so good to be informed what is a disciplinary action and what goes along with it so a disciplinary infraction or a violation is really any um, instance that um, has been uh, a rule broken or um, goes against some sort of um, academic or behavioral um, rule so anytime a student has done something that um, breaks breaks an academic uh, rule or um, does something in school that is more behavioral that and requires discipline, that's a disciplinary infraction.
1: (laughs) And discipline being things like um, you are, well, obviously expulsion would be probably the biggest, right? But suspension, any, any others that, you know, what's the level from your perspective where it really constitutes an infraction from the college point of view? Sure. So on the academic side, that can
5: be any sort of, Um, academic dishonesty. So it could be um, an instance of cheating. It could be plagiarism, anything that is not the student's own work um, and has been determined not to be the student's own work or cheating or, um, you know, copying someone else's work and submitting it as your own Um, Those are things that colleges take very, very seriously and um, would see as some sort of action that needs um, some discipline. Um, On the behavioral side, it could be, like you said, something that has uh, required expulsion or suspension. That could be um, an argument that has escalated into some sort of physical altercation, so if students have gotten into fights, if they've uh, broken the honor code in some way, if they're at a school that has such a code. Um, In my experience, I I even had a student that had to explain that he was suspended for a day because he took part in a food fight his freshman year. While he didn't (laughs) start it, he was suspended for being a part of... um, that activity during the lunch hour got it
1: okay well so then here is the next big giant question which is am i required to report it so let's say you were guilty of any or all of those previous things we've discussed let's hope it's not all um (laughs) do you have to report it to the colleges that you're applying to
5: You do, because in the review of a student's application, um, a student's academic credentials are not only the only thing that are being evaluated. A student's character is also being evaluated and assessed, because if they're going to be part of a college community, the admission office wants to make sure that the individual is going to be an upstanding member of the community, that they are going to take an active part in... Um, campus life. So, they want to know what type of individual is applying to the college. Um, So, it is important and required for students to report any sort of disciplinary infraction um, that they have on their record, which is why I knew something minor as a one-day suspension um, all the way up to perhaps an expulsion.
1: But do all colleges require it? I think that's where it gets a little tricky, right? Because it used to be a question on the common application, but if you weren't on the common application, or a college wasn't, and they didn't ask the question, um, so I think for sure if the college is asking you, you absolutely, without question, hands down, must report it if you have been in some way, shape, or form um, suspended, expelled, in some cases arrested, although that's slightly different because if you weren't convicted, you actually don't have to report it. Um, although we could talk about that. Do you really, can you really get away with it? And should you? Um, but what if a college isn't asking you, if they don't ask that question, what are your thoughts about reporting?
5: Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what you said just now, uh, is something that really resonates with me, that idea of, can I get away with it? If uh, if a college doesn't ask for that information specifically, um, I think it's in the student's best interest in order to report that information, because a student should really be presenting um, all of the information about who they are and what their high school experience has been like. So the the worst case scenario would be if a student did not report a disciplinary infraction and somehow it was reported to the the university even though it wasn't asked for. If the admission office found out, then it could have um negative effects on the student's application because the admission office could look and say this student was not being completely honest with us. So mm-hmm. While I'm sure there is the possibility for students to not report if they're if the application doesn't specifically ask, I always encourage students to be fully upfront and let the college know who they are um, so that the college can get a full assessment of the student and really make the appropriate decision.
1: And so I think this is this is really interesting, and I'm, I'm excited for our listeners to sort of hear this, because I would say that while I am 100% on board with the idea of you should be honest and upfront when the college is asking, if they have no disciplinary questions on their application – I do not encourage my students who have disciplinary infractions to proactively let the colleges know because the college isn't asking. That's for me the key. If the college, I think there's another scenario where the college is asking, the school has meted out some form of punishment that doesn't technically um, meet the college, what the college is saying. So the college is asking if you've ever been suspended or expelled you got something that was different or you were suspended, but the school's policy is that they do not notify the colleges of that suspension. So you could kind of get away with it. I think in those situations when they're asking, you absolutely must be truthful. I think if you are not asking to me, it's more, well, they're not asking me if they were, I would be honest and tell them, but they're not asking. So I'm not going to, but I, I also completely appreciate your perspective on this because For me, the worst thing is if the college finds out about it and it's serious enough that they are going to then come back to you and say, hey, what happened here? And now you are in the position of having to explain it. um, And it's clear that you were hoping they wouldn't know about it. So it's not easy. It's not an easy answer. And I think think this kind of highlights the The trickiness that can come about with these, Um, but it leads me to the, yeah, sorry, Sorry. Uh, yeah, please continue with what you were going to say.
5: No, and I agree with you in terms of if it was a minor infraction and um, your the high school um, gave whatever consequence they felt appropriate, but it was not a grave enough offense that a student had to be suspended or expelled or anything like that. I I don't think that a student needs to give their entire history. I think what I should clarify is if a, if a high school has a policy where they will disclose that information to a college, even if perhaps the college isn't asking, uh, then yes. I think it's better to be honest. Uh, but I yes. agree with you. If they're not asking and your high school doesn't have a policy of reporting any sort of disciplinary action, then I I don't see the need to
1: ask uh, to disclose that information. Right, right. Okay, great. Um, so I do think what this highlights is the importance of understanding what your, college, your high school's policy is, right? So that's probably the most important thing here is to figure out what are they going to do, and therefore you can know what, um, what you need to do if there is any wiggle room or any wiggle room is the wrong term. If there's any question about whether or not it's something you need to disclose, I think it's important to understand your school's policy, but let's move on to the, okay, you know, you have to disclose it, um, that you've navigated the tricky area and come down on the side of, okay, I'm going to be as open and honest as I can be with the colleges about this. In your mind, what are, what is the best way to explain it and probably more to the point what do the colleges want to hear in an explanation? And they are not necessarily different, but they aren't always one and the same either. How you would like to explain it and how the colleges want to hear about it. Right.
5: I think that's the key. What colleges want to hear is just the straightforward, honest account of what happened. Um, it's They're not looking for a student to plead their case and try and um, make the college a understand um what they did wasn't wrong that's already been decided by the high school um what the colleges want to hear is what happened what actions were taken and most importantly that the student has shown remorse that they're sorry for what they did and they're it's written in a way that conveys that message Um, if a student doesn't isn't contrite with their um Their response to um, what has happened, then the colleges are really going to wonder if the student has learned anything from the experience, or are they just giving an answer because they're required to?
1: Right. And and I would give an, I have a few examples that I could draw on. One thing I would say is I don't think, I think you could be contrite, and I think you should be contrite. I think that sometimes students go overboard where the contriteness is so extreme that I almost feel like they don't actually feel badly there because this is so over the top that they don't, like they're saying what I want to hear. And that's not appropriate either. Um, but I, you know, some things that I had, I saw when I was working at Penn, um, certainly some, some things that were not uncommon, but never ideal would be something like you get caught drinking alcohol at a dance or, um, doing some, something along those lines. Um, and, you know, I think there we were looking. The level of contriteness was should be appropriate to, you know, I sh- I shouldn't have been drinking. I- I'm under 21. I, you know, it was a- illegal first of all, and second of all, I know it was against school rules. And third of all, I can see that I sort of ruined this. I in some way I ruined this event or whatever it is. I mean, maybe you didn't ruin the event, but acknowledging the different levels of why that was not so great. And then most importantly, sort of um, showing maybe what you've done differently since that event. But I'm thinking back to, I I had a a young woman when I was reading applications for a pen who had gotten caught drinking at, at a dance. And her response was so over the top that I just thought, I bet this student is still drinking every weekend. She just, it just struck me as not very authentic. And that is super key Um, to any really good, solid explanation is that it feel authentic, that you not go over the top explaining how you've changed, but that the things you've done um, feel authentic to what a teenager who got caught doing that would do. I don't know, Joy, if you have any examples that you could think of where a student either did not a great job or did a a really good job um, at explaining something.
5: Yeah, and I was just thinking that what you had said, and it it really has to be authentic. Um, much like we tell students when they're crafting their essays, uh, their story should be authentic. Um, explaining a disciplinary infraction should be authentic. And um, I had a similar situation like yours, where um, a student was <laughs> caught drinking um, at um, on a school trip, and. Uh, she was very clear in her writing in that she understood that she was make she had made a mistake. Um, she even noted that she thought twice about doing it um, before she decided to um, drink, completely noted that it she understood it was illegal. and then she even went on to say, you know, I've had to repair my relationship with my parents because um, I've let them down. and mm-hmm. really was thoughtful and it was heartfelt and um, that made the difference. I really, I felt like she understood the level of um, the mistake that she had made and was honest and open about um, how she felt about it and then how she's moved on since then.
1: Got it. So that's a great example. I would also throw out there another very challenging, probably the most challenging infraction or one of the most um, is any type of academic dishonesty, because that is such a issue on college campuses and something you really want. To try and eradicate as much as possible. Um, I think that, you know, you may not be able to recover from that. At, and so you probably want a fairly broad list with maybe more safeties. And matches than you might have uh, traditionally included on your list, um, but w- I had a student who had a dis- who had an academic dishonesty challenge in her freshman year, um, and she was able to she had she and her lab partner had faked the results of a lab that they did in in the class, and she was able to help us understand why she did it. They were pressed for time for some reason their 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 experiment didn't come at with any results and so they kept thinking they were doing it incorrectly what they didn't realize is it wasn't supposed to it, the result they were getting is what they were supposed to get so they made up what they thought was supposed to happen. And so a lot of things came into play there, understanding how science works, understanding about managing time, understanding about maybe talking to the teacher to share what was going on. And um, she was able to really show how she had changed her approach to a lot of things as a result of what happened that in that class and how in the, in the end, it actually probably made her a better student than she was in ninth grade, so that was kind of an in- interesting, um, an interesting thing that happened. But I did want to ask um, before we run out of time. One other thing um, is, so what do you do if you have a disciplinary infraction it, today? The show is airing on November first. Many students have already pressed submit. What if on November second you find yourself in um, trouble? What do you, what do you have to do if you've already applied? What what do you need to do at this point about that infraction? I
5: I had that exact situation happen when I was at Boston College. I had a student who um, was a very strong student academically. she um, was looking very favorable in the pool and got in touch with me to say, um, I I've been. I've been caught cheating, basically, Mm -hmm. or uh, more likely academic dishonesty in terms of plagiarism. Um, It was around finals. Um, She was very tired and had a lapse in judgment and took something straight off the Internet and put it into a research paper. So um, she called and and told me about it. Um, And I, I think that's what a student needs to do is to notify if there is, something that's going to go on a student's record to notify the admission office in this student's case, because she was upfront and open and was really upset about the decision she had made. She was admitted still, but she came in on academic probation because we thought that that was the appropriate um, decision to make on the college end. So we mm-hmm. did not uh, deny her based on this um, lapse in judgment, but we did bring her in, um, with an eye on her.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I so think that's it's a really, still, go ahead. sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I think that's a really important is that there are humans involved in this process. And so the best you can really do is be open and honest. And at some schools at Boston college here was willing to kind of bend a little with the caveat that they were going to keep an eye on her and other schools may be less forgiving. Um, Other schools might be more forgiving. And that's why I suggest expanding, broadening your list. It may not mean that you're not getting into college. It probably doesn't mean that. It just means that you need to be more willing to describe what happened and more able to, uh, you just need more ears probably to listen to your story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, Joy, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really helpful, and hopefully, we have cleared up a little bit about how to how to think about disciplinary infractions um, for people as a result of of your time on the show. So, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. If you are curious, we actually have talked about disciplinary infractions in past shows. And I don't know for our listeners how much you know about our archives, but there are a ton out there. We have been on for almost four years now. Uh, February will be our four-year anniversary. And in fact, um, one show that I might direct your attention to would be the very first show that we ever did where we discussed the age-old question of whether or not it's better to get a B in an honors class or an A in college prep. I'm not going to give you the answer right now you need to listen to the to the show um, I wanted to thank Joy and all of my guests next week Ian is here he's hosting we're talking about the UC application which became available today and is open until November 30th um, we're also going to be talking about supplemental essays for Carnegie Mellon and Syracuse and the California State Financial Aid programs um, so visit our archives visit our blog and don't forget we're here every Thursday 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific